Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined as usual by David Hartrick. You getting ready for Christmas, Dave? It's almost there. Is it? All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've said this before, my advice to anybody at this time of year is that petrol stations are open late on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Excellent, good to know. Uh, yeah, so another draw to talk about, a one-all draw. Huddersfield won, Coventry City won, but for the second week in a row we're talking about a draw that I think for many fans will feel more like a defeat, um, which is strange because, you know... Town have actually moved up a place in the table. They've kept their uh, their gap to the playoffs. Is is still five points. On paper, you wouldn't think there's a huge amount to complain about here, but I think the the response to it has been quite strong. We've sort of shared that strong response. Why is that, Dave? I think it was the nature of the performance. I think the the, the Barnsley game wasn't good, but it was. You could see Town were trying to attack. You could see they were just very very wasteful and couldn't break through. The performance on Saturday was was Coventry forced Town into basically playing like the away side in a home game, yeah. and Coventry. Are they're doing well this season, but they're not. You know, this isn't. It's not Fulham or Bournemouth that that came and and did that. And it, like there are draws that feel like defeats when you score late, like Coventry did. But there are also draws that feel like defeats when you just get battered <laughs> for most of the game. And the reality was that Town were doing okay. They were on the front foot. They scored a very very good goal. One of their best goals of the season, I would argue. And then they retreated. And it's it's a pattern now that we have to talk about. And it just left everyone feeling a bit flat, I think. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think Carlos... Colbrand, the first thing he said in the press conference when, you know, the first question I always ask him is is just for his take on the performance and on the game as a whole. And the very first thing he said was, I don't think that the fact it was a late goal is anything that we should talk about uh, in in analysing the game because that goal could have come at any time before then. And that was exactly right. You know, I think even at half time, we were saying Coventry have had four or five chances here to have equalised. And it was mostly, I think, first half, it was mostly sloppy finishing, although Lee Nichols did make one decent save with his with his feet but most of the shots Coventry had were sort of straight at him when they really should have been at very least testing him properly if not finding the back of the net the second half he had a couple of fantastic saves where he you know turned a couple over the bar that he had if he hadn't saved them you would you wouldn't be sort of asking questions of him and Coventry hit the post town also hit the post it's worth saying but um it was complete one-way traffic from the moment Danny Ward scored we, we, we should talk about that goal first I think mm. the, the Danny Ward goal because you know up to that point point it was a pretty even game uh town had created a good move before then where ward got into the box and then had a, a poor touch and ended up his shot in the end ended up getting deflected out for a corner but second chance that sort of came his way really well worked move scott high got his his head up on halfway saw that lewis o'brien had space to run into shifted it across to him o'brien drives forward out to toffolo lovely dummy run from from josh caroma toffolo finds ward on the edge of the box a great pass and uh and a fantastic finish first time into the box 
bottom corner really really well taken goal and a well worked goal and that is I think sort of the one positive that we can point to because we're going to be talking about patterns and their recent record and things that they haven't done recently that they should be doing but our big criticism recently was that they hadn't been scoring goals from open play but in fairness they've got goals from open play against Cardiff although that was a bit of a gift uh, but they did get it against West Brom against Middlesbrough against Barnsley against Coventry we've started to see a few of them um, coming into 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 action and that is a positive to point towards to be fair yeah it was and I think uh, Lewis's goal against Barnsley was a really good decisive move yeah. down the middle and this I think is probably my my favourite town goal of the season to date where yeah, definitely. You, you, a high gets the ball in midfield moves it quickly Lewis moves it quickly Toffolo does what he's been doing for the last couple of years and look like his own self hasn't been doing this season yeah and look like his old self nice early ball direct good dummy from Karoma as well and then an excellent finish from Danny Ward Um, it's almost like if you give him the chances he will score goals yeah that's it and I think I mean I think that is a positive, isn't it? I mean, it's they've had they went so many games without scoring from open play. So the fact that they've managed to sort of get five over the past, you know, since the beginning of November uh, is is at least a positive. You know, I think in the yeah, the whole of the season before definitely. then, they'd, they'd had eleven. I think the issue is though that when they get the lead, they're like a, a mule with a spinning wheel. They don't know what to do with it. And the very moment that they conceded that goal, they um, they started to play on the back foot. They panicked straight away. I think sort of the one sort of criticism we had of Lee Nichols was that that ball he gave away uh, when he was looking to pass it out to Scott High. The errors all just came in as soon as they went ahead. And it's not the first time they've done that this season. I, I listed a load of them uh, in the five conclusions. But against Fulham, they conceded within a minute of getting a goal back to make it 2-1. Against Stoke, they conceded within three minutes of going ahead. Um, against Peterborough it was 10 minutes they've had loads of occasions this season where they've taken the lead and then within a few minutes they've they've conceded Blackburn as well they did it and it, that again we're talking about patterns that has been a big pattern for town and again we, they were only lucky in this game that it did take Coventry until the 93rd minute to get that breakthrough because they could have had it way way before then yeah that goal comes five minutes earlier and town lose that game I think if I'm brutally honest that's they were fortunate it came when it did and it, I, the thing is I don't think it's the I don't think it's the defence because I was watching particularly second half because Carlos Corbran was going mad on the sidelines telling them to get out but Tom Lees and Matty Pearson in particular were also screaming at everybody to get out um, it was I just people ahead of them just got drawn so deep that mm. you're just inviting that pressure on time and time again and I think I know this is a town podcast but I think we should talk about commentary for a minute in that they just then they're not an amazing side it's not like they have any outstanding individual I don't think but they were they play with a bit of adrenaline they were very well organized I thought tactically we'll get into this in a bit later when we talk about something else but I thought tactically Mark Robbins set them up very very well against town but they they just didn't react and they they like you say after the goal twice after the goal and I went back and watched it to to make sure my eyes weren't deceiving me this is first half twice after the goal Lee Nichols gets the ball I think one was from a cross and one was from an overhit pass sprints to the edge of his area 
to bowl the ball out to somebody in space to get town on the front foot quickly and there was nobody looking at him nobody looking at him Mm. and he then ends up bouncing the ball turning around frustrated and annoyed and you're like yeah that's that sums it up really because as soon as he has the ball there there should be men going into space looking for that out straight away looking to see where the space is on the counter and this this is the problem at the moment it's that it's that lack of energy that lack of well i say it again that lack of adrenaline at the moment that is is costing them and it's i don't know <laughs> i don't know what the magic elixir is here steve i don't know how you suddenly get that into their game but they desperately need a bit of it because when you do get drawn deep in a game like that one of the advantages should be that somebody should realize there should be space in behind if you get quick on the front foot and if you work out where the spaces are you know is is the left back or right back playing a bit higher up where you know there will be a natural area of space on that pitch and you've got to go and then somebody's got to have the nous to try and exploit it and they just didn't do that in any any way shape or form there was I think Sorba had one run on the uh, on the right hand side second half where he he beat a man and then came inside and then over hit his cross but uh, apart from that there was just there was very little Holmes hit the post Holmes had that shot turned onto the post yeah well, but it? I mean that wasn't a counter that wasn't no no you know that was that was from the kickoff wasn't it and the thing is like <laughs> you felt like I think one of the reasons we have to talk about this game in the terms that we do is that you felt like a lot of this was self-inflicted it wasn't like you know oh completely it yeah. Coventry played well. You're right. Yeah. Like we do need to give Coventry praise. You know, they're they're where they are in the league for a reason. And every time they remind me I say this every time we talk about Coventry, but they really remind me of Luton Town. Like but but maybe even a slightly better version of them, that they are just incredibly hard working, uh, very well drilled, know their jobs. Uh every time I see them I'm I'm sort of quite impressed with, with their level of industry. Uh I think Mark Robbins has done a fantastic job there. But you're right, like it was it feels like a complex at this point, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like the moment they got a go- get a goal, they're like, "Oh no, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna win this game." Like, a fan tweeted saying, "I don't really celebrate when Town go ahead because you know they're not gonna win anyway." And I feel like the players feel like that as well, you know. Mm. And I think um, a lot of fans have start, you know, have criticised, understandably so, saying they're fed up with the negative tactics after they go ahead. But Carlos Gorbran has made very clear that isn't his intention. He doesn't want to play to to get scrubby one nil maybe that was the plan against West Brom because it was West Brom but in general he doesn't want you know against Barnsley and Coventry and Cardiff he doesn't want his team playing for scrubby 1-0s he wants them to get you know 2-3 kill off the game and we're going to criticise we have criticised and are going to criticise Carlos Corbin an awful lot for his management in this game but that is one area where I do have a bit of sympathy for him because it must be so frustrating for him uh, and he made this clear in the press conference to see them score a goal like that like they scored against Coventry with you know as we say our favorite town mover this season and then go okay well let's not let's not try that again <laughs> like it's it, that's where i have a that, bit of sympathy that, you it, weirdly i've just had a big flashback there because if you remember against barnsley i said to you in the the podcast that we did they had they scored the goal um by going direct through the middle then they had the mm-hmm. coroma chance where they went very direct through the middle and the keeper saved it and i said that exact same thing to you what was frustrating is they had two really good efforts one of which brought a goal and then went let's not do that again so i don't mm-hmm. i don't know what it is it like you say it is almost like a complex at this point yeah it's it feels like and not to this level but sort of towards when i started this job towards the end of the second season in the premier league and you 
think about games like West Ham, where it was just like, well, <laughs> the, the the lack of belief was there. That lack of of um, uh, what's the word? They'd lost they'd lost the winning feeling, you know. And I feel like they're they're halfway there at the moment. Like not all the way, obviously, but it does feel a little bit like they've forgotten how to win, which is is a pity because they would you know they were doing such good work earlier this season you know we one of the things we talked about earlier this season was that they had that great spirit and were able to keep going you know the late goal against Sheffield United or you know having not a brilliant first half against Blackpool but then going out and, and winning 3-0 with the second half or responding to going ahead against Blackburn twice and getting pegged back but then finding a winner still that was one of the big things we praised them for and then now it seems to have gone completely the opposite direction yeah yeah, and I think that while I do think the players have got a, you know the a huge role in this, and I know Corbin said that's not his intention, but also you've got to say that like it was crying out for a couple of changes that second half, Steve. This is it was this is where we come onto the criticism they, of Corbin. Yeah, they really needed to change their shape. They really, really mm. needed to change their shape because. They'd got so deep that the back three had become a four with Toffolo naturally sitting in there. Thomas was still playing sort of five or ten yards higher, which was creating a space on that right-hand side, which Coventry quite playing into. They didn't have anyone playing as a natural six, and Coventry just kept putting a man in there, which was just creating confusion between the defence and the midfield. And there was a reason Coventry kept creating very, very similar chances, and that's because they were doing the same things and they were working every single time and that's where you've got to be a bit more reactive and you've got to be you've got to change the shape and you've got to move things around at that point and it just the the subs didn't feel like they had any impact whatsoever that's that's the sort of key thing and I want to talk a bit about squad use in a bit but it, it just felt like nothing changed in that second half at any point well positionally I mean the players that he brought on were all different to what he took off in sort of style but in terms of the actual shape they stayed exactly the same for the whole 90 minute effectively they had um, you know because the three subs he brought Turton on for Karoma but that meant that Thomas went to the wing um, Dwayne went Dwayne Holmes went across to the left Silver went to the right wing and Turton stayed went in a, a wing back so you know no change there because Silver had been playing wing back before in terms of the shape um, then the next sub is Fraser Campbell on for Danny Ward and I think uh, well I'll get on to why I think Corbrand did that in a moment but you know again it's a centre forward for a centre forward and then the third sub bearing in mind that Town were just defend, basically just defending at that point the final sub was Ruffles on for Holmes which was basically putting on a twice. left back to play on to <laughs> yeah twice putting on a left back to play on the left wing uh, where Holmes had been playing at that point anyway so the shape stayed exactly the same throughout uh, throughout the 90 minutes. And I asked Carlos about that after the game because would you agree they needed a number six in there? They should have gone put put a holding midfielder on the pitch. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, purely because, as I said, it's not like Coventry was sort of massively using that space time after time, but they just consistently put a man in there. And what that meant was that either somebody had to step out of the defence or one of the midfielders was drawn back and it was creating space somewhere else so it was mm. just a, it was a really from my point of view I just thought that was a really simple problem to solve if I'm honest change the shape get a six on there and I think they had options to try they 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 could have put ruffles on there they could have 
moved Levi into that role. You know, that would have been my preference. I, I would have would have bought Zara on and, and put Levi into that role and had him sitting just in front because it was really hurting them. They they could you know, there was a reason it felt like every time commentary attacked it felt like they had a man over. And that's because they they knew where the space was going to be. I completely agree with you. And I would have, you know, you could have even done it without making a sub if you wanted to keep your options from the yeah. bench. You can you can put Scott High in at number six where he's played before, came through the academy playing there. He was he played there against Luton, and uh, and then you can drop Dwayne. You know, Dwayne Holmes came is a central midfielder. He's perfectly happy playing there. So you could have dropped Holmes into a pure central midfield role and put High in that number six role. You know, I know that they don't have Hog or Vallejo, so the only central out and out central midfielder they had on the bench was John Russell can understand why you know an untested player like him you, you might not want to bring in, in a, bring on in a situation like that and they see him as more of an you know an attacking weapon in any case but yeah I completely agree we had two messages while we we're watching the game from friends of ours town fans saying why haven't they got a defensive midfielder on uh everyone around us in the stands was saying it and this is the important thing is it's it's not to say that that is correct you know we might have been wrong about that Corbrand's justification for for not changing the shape and not putting on an extra midfielder he felt that the midfielders were not the ones creating the problems and that it was the ball from the center backs through to the front line from Coventry that was creating problems and so I think that's why he put Campbell on for Ward was was to you know have someone pressing high up but I disagree with that assessment but I think that I think that either way, you know, as Corbran himself said, it could have that goal could have come at any time before then. So I don't know what made him think that the players was going to magically get better when he'd watched them for half an hour of the first half struggling with Coventry, and then watched them for basically the entire second half struggling in exactly the same way. And as I say, he he admitted they were creating too many chances, and that Town didn't have enough control of the game. So I don't understand how he was both able to acknowledge that, but also unable to react in a way that might have actually changed the game this was it i like i think one of the reasons that fans have reacted like they have as well is because there wasn't a, a sort of proactive approach taken in that second half because against west brom one of the things they did was they made several adjustments through the game the the game i sort of compared it to i think in print and i think i possibly said it on the podcast as well but the game i compared it to was was the danny cowley game against west brom where the thing that danny cowley did was he used the break, the drinks breaks to break the game down into four quarters and Town actually changed shape and changed tactically in each of the four quarters and they won. And against West Brom, there was throughout the game, it was a, an incredible rearguard action. But one of the reasons I was so effusive in my praise of Carlos Corbran was he, he did change throughout the game. He kept reacting to things. He reacted to West Brom subs, and he had broken the game down into certain patterns. And it was it was an it was a manager's performance. You know, it was a real real manager's performance. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at that second half against Coventry, and you don't feel like there was that proactive approach. It was like, well, we're just going to try the same things and hope we get a different result. (laughs) And Mm. and you just can't do that. And like literally everybody in the ground was sat there watching that going, when are Coventry going to score? Because it it, it felt like it was coming from the minute, really, from the minute Dwayne Holmes hit the post. It felt like, okay, that was the sliding doors moment. Now it's it's going to be all Coventry and it's it's when do they score. And I know they didn't get the goal to the 93rd minute, but I mean, it would have been 
like smash and grab wouldn't have even come close. Like they had 16, 16 efforts on goal second half, Coventry. And like Carlos Corbran said in his presser, it's, it's difficult to take when your goalkeeper is man of the match. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I get that. But there are things you could have done, I think, to help that situation. That's that's yeah, the absolutely. issue. It feels like I do, I'm, I'm, torn, I'm trying to sort of wrap my head around why Carlos would refuse to make those changes. And one of them is just stubbornness. I guess they're kind of related. One of them is stubbornness. But one of them, I think, the more I think about it, the more compelling I find it is is perfectionism. I think he, he, he is... A manager of small adjustments, I think we know that. Like he and he said repeatedly, he doesn't like making change changes for change's sake, um, or change for change's sake, I should say. And I don't think this is an occasion where it would have been changed for change's sake for a start. No, but I feel like, but I feel like, you know, in the the way that he doesn't rotate his lineup very much, in the way that he does try the same ideas again and again, in the way we've talked before about their struggle to create goals from open play was because they were trying to make a certain type of goal rather than just trying to make chances they were trying to make the perfect goal not just make goals and I feel like there is a degree of sort of it's like remember Arsene Wenger <laughs> remember that guy remember when Arsene Wenger <laughs> sort of in the <laughs> in the mid noughties mid to late noughties there was that big it was the same criticism of Wenger it was you refused to compromise on your principles because you you are put in the aesthetic uh appeal of the game sort of as your top priority and it's costing you points because you need to be more adaptable you need to be willing to to change things to to adapt to the situation and i think the problem town have is like i can understand wanting to bring through a style and a philosophy but as we've talked about repeatedly the way that they're playing is actually kind of kind of dull at the moment because there is no adrenaline to it there's no oomph to it and i think he's i think that sort of that effort to sort of uh try and make sort of the perfect team might almost be counting against them in in a lot of ways because they need to accept that good is good enough mm. a lot of the time i think I, I the other thing i keep coming back to is something we've talked about before which is that the over complication often looks like simplification and mm. i feel like at the moment that the town players are i've used the words risk adverse so many times it's untrue recently but i also feel like they feel there's certain times types of balls they can't play certain types of passes they don't have the license to play and I think that's a bit of an issue as well and I I don't for a minute think that's all Carlos Corbran I think it is the mindset of one or two but I I think when we we're going to have a chat about squad usage etc and there's a few points I want to make in there so we'll I want to hold them back until we go into that but it's there's no there's no getting away from the fact that there has been a lot of criticism from fans there's been a lot of examiner comments there's been a lot of tweets to both of us we both had quite a few private messages that we were chatting about obviously we didn't share names but quite a few private messages from town fans and it was all coming back to the same thing that they feel it's dull they feel it's boring now I'm I I'm not as far down that line as some fans again invested neutral not fan here so I come at it from a different point of view but what I would say is I do get it in the context of the fans being told that Carlos Corbran was being brought in to deliver a different way of playing football and an exciting way of playing football and people saying well this guy is brilliant you know and 
Phil Hodgkinson saying players were texting him in the summer saying this guy is the business etc etc I do I completely understand when that's what fans have been told to judge (laughs) to judge things on if those standards aren't being met you can't blame them for going this is dull this is boring I I completely get it as I said I'm not as far down that line as some are but I do get it I do get it yeah I mean it was evident that the ground was looked to be half empty I know that the the attendance they gave was sort of 16,000 something like that but I think when you look at it on TV or in the in the stadium I would be surprised if it was quite as high as that because I think they may include sort of the season ticket holders who may not have turned up and it certainly looked to be a lot less than, than that in the stands and even for a Sky game even before Christmas where people are doing the Christmas shopping or whatever I think that is you know even in Covid obviously we can't ignore that as a potential factor but I think even with all those things taken into account it was evident that you know that, the, that a lot of people had decided not to come to that game and it was evident you know I mentioned to you at half time and messaged you even before then that the gal farm groan crept in within again within two with, three yeah. minutes of, yeah you wouldn't have thought they were one nil up no, at all no. like at no point of that game would you have thought they were one nil up the way the crowd were reacting it was no. it was dreary and again it's that lack of belief that that they're actually going to win the game and I think it has become a vicious cycle and it's the lack of this it's the lack of feeling like anything's coming around the corner that's going to get them off their seats that's the other thing Steve yeah you know it's yeah. It's crowds will accept you losing no problem whatsoever if they're going away from the ground thinking that a you had a good go at it and b they they actually enjoyed it you know no one likes to, an, to, to lose. an extent yeah no one likes to lose but there is a way of losing that everybody accepts and goes absolutely fair enough and like like I say I don't we we're look not coming at it from an emotional angle so we we have a slightly different viewpoint to it and we have a more analytical viewpoint but it's it's an unquantifiable thing being bored isn't it it's it's everybody's limit or where they are bored is at a different place I do completely understand some people saying it, it is dull and I get that but I do think that a lot of it is context it, it's it's not the fact necessarily of the football that's being played in front of them it's the fact that they were promised something different it's the fact that yeah, this yeah. is not what was supposed to be served up by this manager it, it was going to be roller coasters and fireworks and it's also important to say this isn't something that's happened because they drew at Barnsley in Coventry this is something that's happened because this season is following a very similar pattern to last season at the moment and there is no Mm -hmm. denying that they're not going to be in the same level of trouble purely by virtue of their defence is better but this isn't a couple of weeks worth this is going back to the turn of the year this is is 11 months worth of of this sort of football only delivering the odd sort of highlight you know the odd Blackburn 3-2 the odd Reading 4-0 you know other than that it has been largely you know if you were to look at it on the evidence the the balance of evidence is far more in favour of this is this is the norm than the other way that's it it's the point I made in the conclusions was I think if you took the first 11 games of this season and the last, the most recent 11 games and swapped them round I think that would have been the season we expected and we'd be delighted that they were up in 10th because we'd be saying oh well you know they started the season not great as we expected they would but they're getting better and we can point at the progress it's the fact that they've they started the season poorly 
and then got better and then have regressed again <laughs> you know we we can't they set a standard for themselves with that with that run where they beat Preston Sheffield United uh, Reading Blackpool they had some bad results in there as well but you know then they had the four a four game unbeaten run against Blackburn Luton Hull Birmingham I don't think anyone was really complaining at that point it but then the sort of the nine games since then has just been backwards you know they've, they've, they've not scored two goals in a game since the middle of October since the the whole game they've dropped nine points from winning positions um you know that there was that lack of goals from open play which has started to be addressed to be fair as we've mentioned but you know it's they've, they've had six points in the last seven games you know that is less than a point per game is relegation that standard form yeah. in a regular season I, and you know again that's not me saying they're going to get relegated because they have had that head start and the defense is a lot better but that you know that they were a much better standard than that earlier this season and they've gone backwards into that yeah the other point I think it's important to make from the fans point of view as well is that one of one of the reasons they're frustrated is because a town aren't a million miles away in any of these games so even though commentary were pushing second half there were some adjustments they could have made that they could have got back into that game and at one nil you've always got a chance to to get the second and kill the game off but I think the second big factor here is that town still haven't really paid for being as bad as they have been and they are still in 10th position in the league and that's still a fantastic position and that's Mm -hmm. still progress but it's also a marker that the league this year to be frank just isn't very good so if you like town if they go and get half those points they've dropped in this last couple of months they'd they'd be what they'd be in the playoffs wouldn't they like it's not I think one of the main points of, of frustration is it's almost more difficult to be nearly there than to be miles away yeah. because you think well it, it's it's so obvious we just need a bit of this that and the other and we're there and I think that we keep getting we keep getting comments and keep getting stuff that we we keep going into and it, doing articles on and it, it's not about in January going out and buying a creative midfielder and a striker and I don't know how many articles between us we have to write explaining that it's it, it, well people are still entitled to disagree yeah oh yeah they, they are but it's if town go and get a creative midfield and a striker that's fine but they've still got long-term issues with their patterns of play with their lines of attack with how they go about trying to create chances with the kind of chances they want to create it's not it it all feels like fine-tuning and the problem is when you feel like everything needs just a slight adjustment that's a lot of adjustment it's not a little bit that's a lot of adjustment and that's that's part of the problem it's it's town are are sort of competitive without almost having to try in a poor league and they could be much better off than they are yeah I know there's one town fan I speak to who uh, doesn't really get a chance to, to watch the game because of their work and they are like I don't understand what the issue is the 10th they're having a great season and I think that is understandable but I think those who are sort of are able to watch the games can see what the issues are and it's that I don't know I, I, I do I did sort of hesitate because I, I was very very critical of Carlos in the fire conclusions um but i and i did sort of worry like is this sort of completely ott based on the fact that they are 10th um and based on the fact that you know if you looked from the outside you would say huddersfield are having a good season like we would have said before again we, we said it last week but you know i think it looks like as when we get to the halfway point of the season town are probably going to be uh at least 14 like that is sort of a worst case realistic scenario based after the, the bristol game and Bristol City, sorry. And 
I think that, you know, we'd be very happy with that. They could be as high as, as eighth and we'd be, again, even more delighted with that at the start of the season. But I think you're right. It's They are both overachieving, which is great, but there's also a sense that there is an opportunity for, for them to have overachieved even more if they were just doing a few fundamental things mm. properly that they just have failed to do all season. You know, specifically the, ima- the amount of chances they create from open play because, you know, they've started scoring the goals uh, and we've given them credit for that earlier in the show. But when you look at the XG and you look at the number of shots etc the actual number of chances they've created um, hasn't really increased the XG hasn't really increased it's just that they've uh, their finishing is perhaps a bit better than it than it was before which is good you know that's still encouraging um, but there's still that big issue around the number of chances they're actually creating mm-hmm. and there's been no signs at any point of Carlos Corbrand's reign that that is going to improve and that's the big sticking point at the moment I think it is it is and I, I think we're probably need to sort of move on now to discuss a few wider things and I think that there are there are there is a wider issue there in terms of of where I mean where we still don't really know we're nearly halfway through the season and we still don't really know at this point what is going to represent progress for Huddersfield Town because they could genuinely stop the season now and they'd finish 10 and I think two-thirds of the fans would actually be pretty pretty annoyed <laughs> you know pretty hacked off which is quite an extraordinary point to be in really we spoke last week about how difficult it is to analyze Huddersfield Town and I still feel like that if I'm brutally honest yeah because finishing 10th would mean you know they, their stated objective as a club is to be a top 30 side in England mm. and finishing 10th would would get them there and they, they were talking last earlier this year about how they're a long way off that and that was sort of the the five-year plan and they're what are they year two three now Um, so you know they they would be ahead of it on that front so yeah that does make it difficult but I think it's as you say I I think the other thing you mentioned January and how it's not as simple as just bringing in new players and that solves all the problems I think I think that introducing new players to the side could be a solution in that it will get players thinking about things a different way Um, and I think that sort of what you lose in particularly in attacking positions not in defensive positions but in attacking positions what you lose in familiarity and things like that let's be honest that familiarity isn't really counting for anything at the moment because every single one of the front seven in that game has been working with Carlos Corbrand since at least January and a lot of them since since the previous summer so that familiarity clearly isn't worth diddly squat at the moment so I think they I think a change of shape would help uh, and simplifying maybe some of those roles that certain players are playing so they have a clear understanding of what they're doing and they can play their natural games but I think trying some different players might just get players even the ones who do stay in the team thinking about things a different way and and give them a different perspective and break some of the bad habits that they have built up and and some of the mental blocks that they seem to have at the moment and I think this is a, a topic you particularly want to talk about is mm. before we even talk about the January transfer market they have options in the squad that they can use uh, and use better to to maybe try and do that yeah I I was doing a little bit of analysis of this but, and I think part of the part of the issue with Huddersfield Town now is if you're an opposition analyst you know they're going to set up in a 3-4-3 you know that they want to play Toffolo and Thomas as high as they possibly can so there's naturally a gap in behind that Pearson 
Stephen Colwell, if you keep hitting that gap at some point, you're going to get a chance from it. You know what their best 11, if everybody is fit, is, which is, is Nichols, Colwell, Lees, Pearson, Toffolo, O'Brien, Hogg, Thomas, Sina- uh, Holmes, Ward, Sinani. So they're, they're very, very easy to play against. And part of the problem is I was looking to see that how they're using the squad, and I just don't think they're using the, the squad brilliantly, if I'm brutally honest. I town have used the third least players in the league um so they've used 23 players season to date and of those 23 there are seven that have played less than 200 minutes and why i think that is significant is because there's been 1980 minutes of league football available so you're talking about they've played less than 10 percent of the season so effectively they're sort of statistically not relevant i mean three of those seven have played less than 10 minutes so they <laughs> that that doesn't really move the needle so they've got three players who have played between 200 and 1,000 minutes. And why I'm pointing that out is because they are what you would call fringe players who are coming in, helping out, etc. They've only got three players who are doing that and they've only got two goals from them. Now, if we look at Coventry, just because that's the team they've just played, Coventry have used the fewest players in the league. They've used 19 players. But in that 200 to to a thousand minute bracket so effectively the fringe players they've got eight players that they've used regularly they've got 13 goals from them and eight assists now as you look across other clubs this is a repeated pattern qpr have got nine players in that bracket they've got nine goals from them and five assists Middlesbrough 10 players in that bracket 10 goals and three assists all of them have still got a group at the top a sort of a settled group of eight Mm. nine ten players who are all well north of 1500 minutes but they're all using the the elements of the squad better they're they're getting more from them and town are just not they have their core they're just not using anyone beyond that like we've only seen nine minutes of Josh Ruffles this season and that to me feels a bit mad if I'm brutally honest we, we've only seen one minute of John Russell and he's been in several squads and I know there are certain games you can't throw him in but at some point you've got to have a <laughs> you've got to have a look to see what you can get from this player and what he can bring to things Rolando Aarons has played nine minutes and town there have been games where they've needed to change their wide options Mipo Odebeko has played 130 minutes total but across six appearances and that's again it's it's just not enough football and I know they've had injuries etc but <laughs> you would have thought with the injuries they'd had there would be a lot more players who've been involved you know maybe they would have had a look at a couple of B team options and and let's be honest they've got some very promising players Steve in the in the B team I know mm-hmm. it's difficult I'm not advocating just dumping them into the first team and I, I wrote in an article we've seen what happened with Jaden Brown and D'Amico Dehaney and Ryan Schofield to an extent last season when they had to play and the effect it had on them but they need to look at the options they've got and and just use them a bit more, freshen them up. I mean, like you said, bringing new players into the side just breaks patterns and and changes things. But if you have to do that every transfer window, that becomes an incredibly expensive mm. business. If you can introduce competition within the squad you've got, that's a far quicker, <laughs> far quicker way of doing it. And at the moment, it feels like there's a first eleven. It's very difficult to break into that first eleven, barring an injury. And if you're on the the fringes of that, so in that group, you have very, very little chance of playing. And 
I just think they've got to break that cycle. They've got to they've got to look at options beyond that sort of first fourteen players and and use them better because you know these these ten goals that Middlesbrough have got, nine goals that QPR have got, and thirteen goals that Coventry have got. They're, they're goals that Town aren't getting. They're not getting. So I think they've got to. They I do think January they could do with bringing somebody, and I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, I think they've also got to look at what they've got and say. Are, are we using them and you know a player like Danny Grant who I think was 19th man again on Saturday if he's if he's there or thereabouts you, there comes a point where you've got to think about giving them a chance yeah exactly and I think that it's I think injuries have played a part in that um, because we know that they've not had say Alex Vallejo has been out since the end of September um, he, he might have played a bigger part you know Josh Ruffles missed part of pre-season with, with, with Covid and, and missed the start of the season with Covid um, you know, Jordan Rhodes has not been available pretty much all season. So, you know, Pippa's still been unavailable. So I think there's a few players there who, if they'd been fit and available, not so much Ruffles, but certainly I think Rhodes and, and Pippa and, and probably Vallejo would have played a, a, a more substantial part. And then you're then seeing, instead of it being, you know, and then you're getting more players in that sort of 200 to 1,000 brackets who, you know, likes of, I know Dwayne Holmes is already in there, so likes of perhaps even Sorba Thomas. You know, he probably wouldn't have got his chance at the start of the season if Pippa had been available. Um, so he'd probably be in that bracket. But, you know, I think that the other thing is that other clubs have injuries too. Huddersfield mm-hmm. Town are not the only club in the country that have injury problems. The other thing is that, like, the players that he's not using, some of them are players that have been signed while Corbrand's been at the club. Mm-hmm. So it's Rolando Aarons and Mipo Adebayko and, and Josh Ruffles again, as we talked mm-hmm. about. And, um, you know, it's. I think it, you, it makes... you've also got to look at the, the three. Play, fringe players that they're using so the three players in that bracket are Nabisar who comes in and does a specific job anytime either one of the three first choice defenders are, are injured or unavailable yeah. it's Fraser Campbell who's on 500 odd minutes because he comes on and does he doesn't do the same job as Danny Ward but what Fraser Campbell comes on to do is to keep the press high and you know when Danny Ward has, has run his blood to water Fraser Campbell comes on to take over for half an hour and it's Dwayne Holmes who is now nudging towards a thousand minutes because he's in that first team and what is happening at the moment is a player gets injured so he can't play so another player comes in who just becomes a sort of a movable object themselves there's yeah, no yeah. there's no question of sort of mixing it up or changing it up or as I said it's like with the Rolando Aaron situation is is I, there has been games where I think I would have I would have tried him because I, I like hand on heart I, I still don't know if he's if he's good enough for town if what he brings to town when he plays I have no idea because this we've just seen so so little of him what has he stopped doing that they saw that the scouting department saw in him for two successive transfer winters yeah. that, that's the question yeah. like has he not been doing that on the training pitch for the last 11 months or was the scouting just wrong to begin with yeah. you know and it's that's the again this is where I get back to the perfectionism thing because I feel like Corbran is he wants to feel sure about things he wants Mm. to feel like if he's putting someone in the team he wants to be sure about them and I think he's not willing to and that goes for both selection in terms of the players but also I think on Saturday we saw it with the formation it's like well we haven't played 3-5-2 for a while I'm not sure it's going to work so I'm just not going to try it even though the 3-4-3 isn't working and I think he, he I think we've definitely seen that with Meepo for instance where yeah he's raw he needs you know he probably needs a bit 
of time. He maybe isn't, you know, completely 100% championship ready. But, you know, he admits himself that he didn't think Coroma or Sorba Thomas were in either of the last two seasons. He had to play them out of necessity, and they turned out to be brilliant, for a spell at least. He is not willing to... It seems like he's unwilling to give players a chance to surprise him. And I think that is, again, holding them back, and I think is particularly frustrating in games like these, and is, is a real annoyance in games where you can see that the tide is going in a certain direction, but he won't put those players on because it's like he, he doesn't seem sure that they're going to have an effect, but you need to give them a go. If what is happening on the pitch already isn't working, then what have you got to lose? Yeah, and you, like the only way you're going to know is is by looking at these players. Exactly, and I yeah, don't exactly. think... I, I Like, if you bring John Russell on for a... F- for a half or for even for half an hour and he struggles a bit to get up to the pace of the game I, it, like fans are going to forgive you for that it's absolutely yeah. fine because players have to find their feet you know like how many sort of fairly underwhelming cameos did we have from Sorba Thomas last season you know back end of last season he kept coming on for sort of 10-15 minutes and not really doing anything and you look what happened at the start of this season but I think he I know what you mean in terms of like his output he wasn't getting loads of goals and assists I think the effort and energy was. oh yeah we we praised him for that earlier in the like but if you but what I mean is if you bring John Russell on and he's full of energy and running etc but you know technically he makes a few areas and it's obviously clear he's not played in a championship the hurly burly of the championship yeah fans are going to forgive you <laughs> that's the thing fans are going to forgive you it's it's coming back to that same things of just sort of repeatedly trying the same things and expecting to get a different result and I think there's probably something in the perfectionism argument that you've made I, I really do because that is in effect what you're what you're trying to see. But at some point, you need to see what Danny Grant can bring to the side. You need to see whether mm-hmm. Josh Ruffles could help out in midfield or whether he is only there when... I mean, it, it doesn't even feel like he's back up to Harry Toffolo at the moment. Um, no. We don't know about these players. That we get a few comments from fans saying, you know, oh, the squad is not good enough, or this player is not good enough. And often I sit there and go, well, I'll be honest, I don't know. How do you know? Yeah. I've just not, I've just not seen enough from them because I can tell you everything you want to know about sort of fifteen players, sixteen players, because I have seen them so much, and they will be played relentlessly from from here until eternity. It feels the the players on the outskirts of that at the moment. I, I, like I just don't have any any insight into because we don't see him. Yeah, and Carlos keeps saying, you know, he has massive trust in the squad and these players will get their moments later in the season. But it's like, but results of and performances have already started to turn. So why isn't now the time for that? Like, why isn't why isn't it already started to happen? And I, I don't know. We're, we're sort of going back over old ground here, but I just feel like, and I know that obviously you take everything a manager says with a pinch of salt when he talks about his trust in the squad, etc. But he does keep talking about how much he trusts the squad he says he thinks they're capable of something special and this season specifically and this is sort of part of the reason we're being so hard on him is because we're sort of we're judging him by that standard because I don't think you can have it both ways where you're saying I have a special squad that are capable of, of you know doing something good this season and achieving something this season and then only use sort of 15 of them um, yeah. when you've got 24 it, it, what he's saying doesn't match up to what he's actually doing yeah and you, you also you can't sort of say you know we're capable of doing 
doing this, that, and the other. And then if you're not doing this, that, and the other, yeah, exactly. You can't then turn around and say, oh yeah, but you can't criticise us for that. That's the issue. And it yeah. it does feel like we're sort of being a bit two footed this week. But this week is the culmination of ten months, not not mm. really the start of the the season, not really the last couple of weeks. This is these are problems that have been there now over over two campaigns. You know, one with fans, one without. These are issues that have been there, and it, this podcast is more us saying you've got things have to sort of change from this point. You've got to you've got to try something different. You've got to do something different because otherwise that mid-table safe finish that we said was going to be a, a a progress. The whole point of it was, and I wrote an article the day before the season started saying that after everything everybody had been through and missing a year and a bit with COVID and not being allowed in the stadiums, one of the key things was that people wanted to have a bit of fun. They wanted mm-hmm. to, to go to the football and enjoy themselves again. And that's not necessarily about winning every week. <laughs> it's it's about feeling like you are going to have a go and it, it's like feeling... It's about hope, isn't it? Football's about hope and it's about walking into the ground hoping that you're going to win 2-3-0 every single game. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all any fan asks or, or feeling like it's a possibility. And speaking... Yeah, that's, Speaking yeah. to a lot of fans and taking the temperature on social media and in the examiner comments and various other players, there's just not much of that about at the minute. And those aren't the most sane places no. to, to get that temperature sometimes. But you also have a lot of fan of a lot of friends who support town who will message mm. you and talk about it, and you know who are a bit more rational as do I, you know. So uh, yeah, it's I mean it's been a, a big old moan. I'll be honest, this is I think the third time I've written such a sort of heavily critical article about Carlos Corbran, and the last two times I did it, it were after Blackburn and after uh, uh, towards the end of last season, and after Fulham towards the start of this season. And and to be honest, after both of those games, I was kind of at a point where it's like, I don't see how he can continue in this job. Like, surely they've got a look at that. But I feel like on this occasion, as much as I have been two-footed in much the same way, I feel like the fact that he was able to prove us wrong to an extent after Fulham, and a lot of that was down to set-piece goals, but there were also other improvements. I do feel like, okay, well, Carlos is the one. I don't see anyone out there who it's like they would immediately get town playing better. I, I think there's an argument for that but I think that there's also Carlos has done enough to have earned the, the right to to try and turn things around this season I think their league position above anything else sort of tells you that um, but I think it is evident that, that things do need to change this is the thing it's not a we're not criticising because we think he has to go we're criticising because we think there are obvious errors that are not being addressed that have been there for a very long time and that he has shown no signs of addressing and we need to see those signs yeah I th- you're exactly right I think Corbyn's more than earn the right to stay there and try and put things right but at the same time they can't have a january february march like they did Mm. last year without there being some form of consequence for that and why why i think we are being slightly two-footed here is that there are the early indicators are there so they need to arrest this quickly they've got three really good opportunities to do that because bristol aren't great bristol aren't great you can get at them Um, bristol city bristol city sorry so someone told me off for that on a on a preview show once um (laughs) town have beaten blackpool once this season and are more than capable of doing it again on boxing day and forests are forests. They're flying at the moment, but they are—they are still more than capable of, of yeah. yeah, of having a, a real off day. You, you can get at Forest, and Town have got 
a fairly decent record as well there. So, you know, they have three good opportunities to try and put put this right. And I think the first thing they've got to do is is get a win and then they can worry about the performance after that. Because often I say to you, you know, they need to put in a performance as well here. I think the first thing they've got to do is just get a win before it gets before it gets to the point where that feels like another huge sort of monkey on their back. Just get that win one way or another and then start to raise your performance levels from there. I, I I do not I you know, hand on heart, I do not see town in relegation trouble this season. Just as I said, they don't they rarely get yeah, it's it's rare that the wheels come off like this. The problem is that the Middlesbrough game was the worst performance of the season. Barnsley was a frustrating game, but I don't think it was anywhere. You know, I don't think it was an actively bad performance. It was just frustrating because they couldn't finish the chances. This was a different game again, but it was still one-one. You know, they still. I think yeah. we both know last season they would have lost that game. They yeah, uh, yeah, uh, they would have sure. well, they would have conceded earlier and they would have lost that game. So I just don't think they're going to be. In relegation trouble so it's that's not the battle this season the battle is really to turn this run round and then let's see where we can put town this season what bracket do they fit in are they a top 10 team because even though they're sat in 10th i'm still not sure yeah i'm still not sure it would be nice in sort of five to ten games time to be sitting here saying okay we're over half the season things don't happen by accident this is where they are this is what we should expect from them now because i still don't know i still don't know whether i should be sitting here saying okay all right blackpool at home on boxing day they'll definitely win that i have no idea (laughs) yeah we should talk about things off the pitch as well uh there's been some speculation around former Ipswich owner Marcus Evans who still holds 5% of, of Ipswich Town. Um, I've approached the club about whether there's any truth in that and got a no comment effectively um, and whether they're even looking for investors is, uh, is you know, they won't sort of, I'm not getting an answer one way or the other effectively, which read what you will into that. But I mean, obviously with what's going on around Phil Hodgkinson, it would make sense if there were people looking to to see if there was, you know, obviously people are going to be asking to see if he's up for, for selling his shares. And I think any discussions like that would obviously be under uh, an NDA, would be under a non-disclosure agreement, so the club wouldn't be able to confirm or deny that either way. And that would be the case whether it was, you know, they've asked the question and been told no, you know, or whether it was they're in serious discussions and there's going to be an announcement soon. So genuinely, I have no sort of inkling in one way or the other we know that Marcus Evans also looked at Derby a couple of months ago for instance and that's gone very quiet so it could be something it could be nothing um so I'm sorry we can't give you more of an update at, at that at this stage but but that's where we are with it when it's when it's a no comment but I think the important thing is that they are not uh dependent on any new investors to come in for the long-term future of the club I think Dean Hoyle is very happy to to continue effectively running things uh we've been a bit coy around it but he you know he is effectively running things in, in Phil Hodgkin absence along with the rest of the board he's you know he's continuing to support the team financially to support the club financially um and he's even sort of made allusions towards supporting the club through the january transfer window so i think that's sort of the most important thing but it's very much a, a wait and see at the moment isn't it dave yeah i mean there's not an awful lot to to add to that really i think um if people want to know a little bit about evans then i think your profile and um was was decent it does Which, to be honest i cribbed 
largely from not to plug a, a rival, but uh, there's an athletic article from March uh, by Phil Buckingham, which Richard Sutcliffe and, and a couple of others contributed to as well. That that was really good, where they interviewed uh, managers that had worked under him at Ipswich and people that had worked with him, and mm. uh, gives you quite because he put a, he put nearly 100 million into Ipswich, and yet they sort of went backwards under his control. For, to me, it seems like he needs ad, needs good advisors around him, but he's obviously got the willingness to put money, and he just needs to know where to put it. I think. Yeah, I think the one thing, the one comment I would make, and like this is not me with an examiner hat on or with any level of insider knowledge or anything like that, is that I think it does make some sort of sense on paper because I'm sure he feels yeah. he, I'm sure he feels there are things he wants to try that are different that that didn't work at Ipswich, and he he loves football, he loved being involved in football by all accounts. He's not a uh, he's not a sort of massively gregarious football chairman who's out there in a Rolls Royce and a big cigar and etc. There's one one photo of him that's licensable. Yeah. (laughs) And Um, he's wearing a face mask in it. So he he, but he you don't get to be worth nearly a billion quid without being extremely driven and without a a sort of level of okay well I've not got this right this time I want to get it right the next time so it does make some sort of sense but like no idea beyond whether there is anything in it or not. This is it. Yeah we, we we don't know how serious it is or, or how seriously you should be. Take it, to be honest, I'm sure if there is anything in it, then we'll get, you know, these things do have a way of sort of, of leaking out and I'm sure that we'll be hearing more about it if there is any interest. But as I say, you know, there were similar stories about Derby from Marcus Evans' point of view. There was so, somebody else in the mix as well, I think, isn't QPR. it? QPR. Yeah, QPR yeah. were mentioned as well. So, and and the Derby thing has gone really quiet as well now. So, yeah, we'll 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 see. It could, could be that we never breathe his name on this podcast again, but obviously see if we do hear anything we'll uh, we'll keep you informed right dave thanks for joining us as ever uh oakley books still have lots of fantastic uh books on offer that are perfect christmas presents for the football lover in your life when is the the last when do people need to get their orders in by to get them for christmas day uh well i think the last post date is the 18th for second class but it's 21st for first class so we will do any stragglers we will put through as first class to make sure they get there and i think in fact thinking about it i'm sure the 18th for second class that's guaranteed but they do this every year and i i think it's probably it's a recommended date yeah it? it's probably guaranteed. more likely to be the 21st to in in truth so as long as there before then we will get them to you one way or another great stuff there you go uh, and yeah obviously we have all the updates over on examinerlive.co.uk you can make a donation to the welcome center at huddersfieldtattoo.com as well and uh, we will see you next time on the podcast goodbye <laughs>